You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. Um, so we are finishing up this uh, final message of the series called Being Human. And just for, if you're newer to the church, just to give you a glimpse into how we have uh, approached preaching, we typically go through books of the Bible and just kind of preach through it, touching on, you know, as the scriptures. And I personally prefer that approach because what that allows you to do is you have to preach what's there rather than maybe what you're inclined to, like just finding your topics that you really push your buttons. Uh, preaching through books is really helpful because you just preach what there, what's there. Um, but we also, every so often, like to have different topical series to address particular issues. And that's what being human has been. Uh, hopefully it's been beneficial for you as we've been looking into different ideas of what does it mean to be, understand humanity, especially in a challenging season where many of us maybe feel like we've lost what it be, uh, feels to be human. If you missed any of the messages, uh, they're all archived. You could go find them and listen through. Um, but today we're looking at this idea of valuing health. It's the last one. I don't think it's the most important one, but I think there are lessons to be learned. And, you know, we're going to look at some different passages with it. But I want to start with this one story um, that Jesus has. And, you know, Jesus, he just provoked a lot of different responses from people. From most destitute to the most powerful, everyone had a response to Jesus. And you know you're doing something. You're making a difference when people respond. And one thing we noticed is a lot of people came with questions. Uh, this is the day before social media when you can tweet a question, you know, a chat. People just came up to him and asked. And there's this one incident found in Luke chapter 10 where this expert of the law comes. It's described. He, he asked Jesus questions about eternal life. And these are very spiritual sounding questions. So Jesus would have been a great professor because he comes back, he asks him a question. So let me ask you, what does the law say? And we see part of the man's answer in verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And some of you Bible nerds, you, you might think, oh, that sounds familiar. He's adapting part of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, the law that was given to the people of Israel. Um, this expert of law knows it, so he's adapted some of that. He's saying, you're meant to love the Lord your God with all of these different facets, your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. And it's a great res- uh, reminder this morning as we're looking at this idea of health. And when I say health, part of my goal is for us to think holistically, beyond just, because if I'm sure, you know, maybe a hundred people in here, if I asked every single one of you, what does it mean to be healthy? You would have like 80 different answers in here. Um, and what my, my response would be, yeah, because health is meant to be a holistic thing. It ties in all these factors. And we see this here. When Jesus is affirming this expert in the law, what does it mean to love the Lord? It's not just an intellectual thing, or it's not just um, a physical action thing, or it's not just a matter of more the soul, or your feelings, or intellect. It's all of that. We love the Lord, our God, with full passion, with everything that we were created with. That's what worship to God means. So when we think about what it means to be healthy as a human being, it incorporates all those different aspects as well. And so, uh, sometimes it seems like I'm making fun of people. I'm really not. I love everyone, but 
I just have a snarky personality. But sometimes when we talk about health in churches, usually we, the default is when we say, how are you doing health? How's your spiritual health? We think very much, okay, how many times did I read my Bible this week? That's what, that's what he's asking. How many minutes did I pray? Did I fast? Did I miss a meal? And, you know, we think through these very, like, quote-unquote, spiritual health markers. And that's real. That, that's, that's very relevant. But what my hope for you to see is when we talk about what it means to be healthy, as a human, as a follower of Jesus, it has to incorporate all of who we are. It takes into account all the different ways that we are created. Because being in a right relationship with God, it requires, I would suggest, this holistic knitting together of all the different aspects of what it means to be human. Maybe we can think of it as, as a human being, what does it mean to live in the fullness of all that we are? That, that one aspect of our design is not more important than another, but it's all created to work together for God's glory and for our flourishing. That walking wholeness of all of our parts in health, it's a way for us to grow in our love for God. And that's really the big purpose, right? We want to grow to love God more and more. And we didn't look at the second half of 1027, but it's talking about loving your neighbor. That's another sermon. But this is how we grow in those things, by being more healthy in all of our parts. And so even, again, when we talk about being spiritual people, we talked about this yesterday at retreat, we're kind of narrow in that way. But I want to invite you today to consider that God created every aspect of who you are to be an instrument, to be known, but to also know God in ever-increasing ways. In your heart, in your soul, in your strength, in your mind. It's all important. It's a symbiotic relationship that, that works and rolls on one another to draw us closer to the heart of God. And it's why we're talking about health today. Um, uh, some of you know my brother Joe. He's gone through a ringer in terms of his health over the past year and a half. And, and he would describe some of the procedure to me when he's going in to be tested for his cancer. And man, he would say he's going in some, just like he's just in the hospital for like a whole day. It's just like a test after test after test. It's like battery of all of these different pulling blood from places you never thought you could pull blood from. And, just want, and, and the goal of that is he's got stuff going on that the doctors, they don't know unless they do certain diagnostic tests. And because they're not certain what it is, they need to run like everything. They need to do all these tests. And I think in the same way as medical tests help to diagnose our physical condition, um, different indicators of our holistic health, I think it can also help us to understand to see how we're doing. Ask questions. Are we, are we healthy? In what ways are we maybe not as healthy? So today, when we say health, I mean, that can touch on so many different things, but today specifically, I want to touch on a couple expressions, our physical health and our emotional health. And you'll see, even as we talk about this, how they bleed together. Uh, so first, I want to jump into looking at our physical health, and I'll just put this out there as kind of a big idea, that your body is a gift given to you for your joy and for God's glory. Your body has been give you so that you can really experience joy of knowing God and also so that your life can be a worship offering to the Lord. And I think it's important to say it for some of you, like, dude, you went to seminary to say that? Doesn't sound very deep. For some of us, depending on your background, you've never heard the body spoken of in a positive way in church. 
Like it's almost like we've got this weird approach to the body in some places where like we want to grow close to God. We want to be very spiritual. And then you fancy words like Gnosticism apply to that. Gnosticism is this idea that um, you separate the spirit from the physical. Like those are different things. And to truly be spiritual, you almost have to deny, kill the flesh because that's getting in the way of really knowing God as spiritual beings. It's almost like an approach where our bodies, they're like obstacles for us to overcome, to truly be a spiritual person. And, and to be clear, there are parts of scripture that talk about disciplining your body, beating your body. It doesn't mean you should hurt yourself, but it's, it's meant to convey, you know, don't let your physical urges just rule everything you do. So there is a part of understanding. It doesn't just say everything that the body wants is good. But, but it, my point is, God doesn't view our physical bodies in a negative way. He doesn't view them as obstacles. We're reminded of actually how important the body is because we see that God actually took on bodily form in the form of Christ when he came to our earth. Like John chapter 114 is one of the best examples where it describes the word. And this is Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And some of you who've just been Christians for too long, heard too many Christmas messages about the incarnation, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. God took on flesh, Jesus Christ, oh, God. Um, this is like astounding. This should like blow your minds that of all the four of the universe could have taken to come here. Like, I mean, I thank God I'm not God because if I'm God, I would have come as just as like bright shining star that just floats around the world because that's very clear that's deity, right? That's just very clear that there's something supernatural about that. But a man, form of a body that could be pricked and prodded and, and bleed, seriously, that's the form that the God of the universe is going to take to come and manifest his full glory. Yeah. The human body is of such value that the eternal God of this universe would even take on its form with its realistic physical limitations. Jesus had to sleep. Y'all think Jesus didn't need to exercise, but he probably didn't need to because they all walking all the time. They're not like you and me. He was in great shape along with all the disciples, but his body had to be taken care of. He had to eat. It's an echoing in one sense of the original created order where God made all of these different things and it was great, but the last creation was human beings. And he had said everything was good, but when he made man and man, woman, he said what? It is very good. The human body, the human being is a very good creation of the Lord. And guys, it's just, I might be pounding on this, but I just, in case, I don't know all of your background, but maybe some of you, you even still embody certain ideas that the body is bad. And maybe there's been some guilt and shame attached to that. I think particularly from among younger people I've noticed, there almost becomes this like resistance to change in your body because things are different. And it's like, no, that's all part of being human. It's good. God has a good design. You're not a mistake. God made you. It's good. God made the body and it's very good. And it's helpful to keep this in mind because like with other aspects of creation, um, as fallen beings, we had the tendency to sometimes elevate the creation above the creator. 
So we're not saying that because the body is good, that it's like supreme. That's not what we're saying. God is still God. We are not God. So we're not meant to elevate that above all else. Um, but as, cause so, yeah, we don't worship the body as much as we find joy. But I think it's beneficial to view our physical beings as things to steward from God. And that's one of those, like, Christianese, or steward. It just means to manage. Like, he's given our, us bodies. What are you going to do with it? That we do best with these bodies because we recognize it's a gift from God. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 19, where he says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. And he's talking here specifically in the context of sexual expression and saying, hey, submit your body to the Lord. It's from God. It's a gift. Use it well. But I feel we can take on the larger application that what we do with our bodies matter. And I think it's important because sometimes we have the tendency to um, kind of make little compartments and we have this box that's like spiritual stuff. And usually like in our Google Calendar, 10 o'clock to however long the preacher preaches, that's like the spiritual stuff. But then here's the rest of my life, all these little compartments. And we don't really have them cross into one another. But that's not how God created us. It's all meant to work together. And our bodies then are not just a separate aspect that we take care of or we try to make better. But it's actually an integral part of all of our worship to God. It's all meant to be for God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31, again from the same book, it gives another expression. It says in verse 31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And Paul, if you know the context of here, he was talking about idol worship and kind of food you should eat, whether it would make you uh, ritually unclean or not. And Paul's saying, hey, yo, you, you missing the point. All of it, whatever you eat or drink or really anything that you do, that's all for God's glory. Don't separate your physical expression from what it means to walk with the Lord and to know him more. So just really simple applications here. Today's kind of a simple application day, but one of the most helpful things that you can do for your relation with God is to take better care of your physical health. And some of you are like, man, I thought he would come here and tell me to pray more. Do that too. But along with that, one of the best things you can do for your holistic relationship with God is to own your physical health. Be mindful. What am I consuming? How am I um, exercising? How do I approach things like sleep? I used to be that moron that thought it was like um, a badge of honor to sleep as little as I could. Like, I would send emails out at 3 a.m. I'm like, yeah, there you go. I'm like, dude, you are such a knucklehead. Sleep is a gift from God, and we should steward it well. And maybe, thinking about those things, maybe you have never thought of them as spiritual practices, but I would suggest, and this is from experience but also observation, that the relative health or unhealth of those different kinds of things, that will impact your walk with God. How healthy you are physically it can't help but affect how you look at God. And um, I, I, you know, I get the privilege to work with a lot of pastors. Sometimes they're not happy, right? Because they want 
Questions like how, how big is their church growing, and if their church is growing, they love it, or how many people have come to know Christ, what kind of activities are going on, that's all great, that's very much of But I often enough ask them, hey, how's your health going? Because we're having lunch, man, and that looks pretty nasty. Like, how you doing? How, 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 how are you sleeping? Are you taking time to rest? Are you, are you like just running on adrenaline? Are you making sure you fuel up correctly? Are, are you exercising? I'm looking a little doughy there. You know, I, I, how are you doing physically? And the thing is, I'm not asking that to judge, but here's where I frame it. Um, we need to think beyond just today. Because I'll be honest, on my stressful days, that quadruple cheeseburger with like extra cheese, extra bacon, extra everything, it made me feel so good. And it's all I want. And if it's just about today, go for it. But more and more I'm asking, how is this going to impact my long term? How is this temporary joy going to impact my long term? Because here's the reality. When we think about stewarding our physical health, it's not just about making it today because we can grind through today. But when I talk to pastors, I'm like, yo, I want you in this for the long haul. I want you as physically able for your family, for your ministry, because everything that you do to strengthen your physical health now, it's going to add on years at the end. I know it's really hard to think that long in the future, but wisdom would require us to start to ask that. And I would put the same thing before you guys. Value your physical health because it's a way to honor God because he has gifted you with one body. How are you going to steward that well? So again, this is all disclosure, right? Because when we're feeling stretched in life, I've noticed that probably one of the first things to go are things that are related to physical health. I don't know about you, F for me, right? Um, like our sleep, our exercise. And you can ask my wife, because I'm preaching to myself, because this has been a particularly busy season. What do I keep saying? Ah, yeah, sleep, that would be great. I can sleep in heaven one day. You can't function like that. You get grumpy. It's hard to love God and joy. Hard to love people. You know, there's really cute things that people say that usually would make you laugh. When you haven't slept, you're like, what's wrong with them? Don't have any self-awareness. Why do they think that's funny? Like, we're not created to function like that. But giving attention to these areas, even as it will probably involve some necessary discipline, I'll suggest to you, it's a path to usher you into joy. Right now, some of you are like, yo, man, I didn't expect a sermon like CrossFit. What's this joker's... This is very spiritual. This is very spiritual because getting these things in line, it might feel like more work, but it's actually so you can be in a place to be able to experience God more. So, real talk. Part of walking in joy is recognizing some of the unhealthier habits that we may be inclined to. And if we're not talking about in church... I guess you could go online and talk about it, but I think part of recognizing health is asking, are there things you're addicted to? Whether it's substances, um, maybe alcohol to an unhealthy way. And I'll be real, um, pandemic has not been very good for those of us who struggle with addictions. Because you've been confined, you felt limited, and honestly, we're looking to like cope we're looking to just try to make it because life feels really stressful. And we go to those things that promise us, promise us a temporary release, a temporary freedom. 
And, and, and beyond that, it's just maybe bad for you. What are some of the underlying factors that drive us to that? So in my own life, just for to be transparent, um, I've recognized how much of that my unhealthy compulsions are in my diet. Like for me, when I am stressed, I eat. Like that just, I just naturally go to that and I, a lot and poorly. The more manufactured like preservatives, the more I'm drawn to it. I don't know what it is. It's got some amazing power over me. Um, and and I, got, I think this shows how things are tied together emotionally as well as physically. But for me, as I look back, many of the lowest seasons in my life spiritually are tied to some very unhealthy seasons in terms of my physical diet. Like I see a direct correlation and there's, there's a cycles of cause and effect involved with that. And just to ask you, how do you see your physical body? Is this something you're just ignoring? Maybe one of the best things you can do in seeking to truly be in the presence of God is how can I take better care of my body? And, and we can be honest here. When most of us think about physical health, right now some of you are probably even, we don't think about joy. We think about guilt more than anything. But if I could encourage you, and this is, we try to talk about this frequently at our church. I want to I welcome you to live with vision. Don't just live for today. But part of the reason we're talking about your physical health as a path to joy, picture where you want to get to in life. Picture what does life look like if you could get to it. And maybe it feels overwhelming right now, even when it comes to physical. Maybe it's a way that you want your diet to be. You want certain health patterns to be. Maybe it feels overwhelming to think, how the heck am I going to get there? And as picture a vision, it will always involve one step today. Any vision that you want to get to, don't get overwhelmed by the magnitude of the whole thing. What's one step you can take today or tomorrow? So, I mean, health has been something I've been trying to be cognizant of more recently, uh, past few years, because especially in the beginning of church, I was really unhealthy physically, and maybe in a lot of ways. Uh, one thing I got into was running. And a few years ago, I actually ran a marathon. And run is a really relative term, right? That's very generous. Because by the end there, um, I was like moving, I guess. I remember specifically this one sweet granny, like just, she was speed walking and she just blew by me. And it was kind of encouraging and like challenging at the same time. But she like looked at me and said, you can do it, keep going. I'm like, oh, what the heck? So I just, you know, finished that John up. But people asked me afterwards because they would take a look at me and say, oh, really? You ran a marathon? Like kind of... Not in awe, but kind of like disbelief. They wanted evidence. But they asked me, how did you train? And in one aspect, it was, yeah, about six months back, I started to have a plan to do it. But what I really shared was, um, yeah, about 10 years back, I started training. Because it was that first lap that I tried to, tried to take around the high school track where I puked my guts out because I couldn't do one lap. I was so out of shape so disheartened. I remember crying because I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this. But every time you train, you add one more step. You add one more step. And what do you see? Next thing, you're doing things you never imagined you could. And as you think about what does physical health look like for you guys, don't get overwhelmed by the magnitude of it all, but think, what today? What can I do today? And it's not just about better practices. These are spiritual practices to help me draw closer to knowing God. So physical health, really important to knowing God. Um, I want to talk about emotional health. Emotional health. And as I thought about emotional health, I was remembering a conversation 
conversation I had with a ministry leader recently, not our church, so don't, don't worry about it, um, where they basically told me, yeah, you know what? Emotions are just not real. I'm like, what? Like, emotions are kind of made up. We're not meant to be ruled by that. Like, emotions, people are kind of just got to get over it. I'm like, oh, wow. I really disagree with you. I mean, it was a good conversation. Um, and I think there's some validity. What, I think what this person was trying to convey was we need to be mindful, not that we're being um, led purely by our feelings, because that's not healthy. We're not meant to be led purely by our feelings. But I would, again, caution this as a dichotomy of different aspects of God's creation in us that we're not intended to be. Because our emotions are created by God um, as a reflection of him. We talk about this language, the imago dei, made in the image of God, because God is an emotional God. I mean, he doesn't get carried away with these emotions like you and I might, but God is a God of, and some of you, if I ask you, how is God emotional, some of you might go right to anger, and that probably reveals some of your church upbringing, right? You go right, God is angry. And I don't know what you think about that, but I'm kind of glad God is angry at times because it shows me there are some things we should be angry about. It's justified. If God was not angry, if God was like, yo, it's so cool. I'm like, yo, you're not a God we're following. He has a set of right and wrong. But God is not just angry. God's emotions are across the spectrum. This is not on the screen, but one of my favorite verses that I've just been sitting on a lot recently is from Zephaniah 3.17. Mark it down, go look it up, do your meditations on it. But it says, the Lord your God is among you, a warrior who saves. Now catch this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will be quiet in his love. He will delight in you with singing. If you look at the original language, it actually says that word rejoice. It's like he's going to spin around and dancing. Like this God is so emotionally in love with his beloved that he dances and sings over those he calls his own. So some of you, that is foreign because all you've thought about is this angry God who's shaking his head every time constantly you because you can never get your act right. Have you pictured that God is pictured as one who celebrates over you because of Jesus? He loves you. He's dancing and singing. So God displays deep and you made in the image of this God, you are also created with emotions. And I'm sure all all of you, you've seen in the seminar somewhere that picture of an iceberg where it's that whole illustration that what you see of an iceberg, the tip, it's only 10% of the whole thing. Like underneath the surface of the water is actually 90% of that big block of ice. Like the real nature of it is not just what you can see, it's what lies underneath. In the same ways I would suggest in our own lives, what people see, it's real, it's true, but it's not fully encompassing all that's underneath. There's a whole inner life a whole bottom iceberg of our emotional life that all of us have, and it does manifest. And, and let's be real. Some of us here, we don't like emotions. We don't like getting into it, especially other people's emotions. And some of you are married. You're like, amen, preacher, right? Because it feels complicated. It feels messy. And we prefer to keep relationships at a just really rational level. Let's just stick to the facts. Let's just know what we need to do. Maybe you're like our, our frozen Queen Elsa, right? Deep theology, conceal, don't feel. I won't sing it. But that's like the mentality towards life, right? Emotions are not meant for us to really engage. If anything, they're really bad. So let's just keep it suppressed. Let's hide it. 
because when we let it out, maybe some of you experience some really bad fallout from that. People have not responded well. Maybe you've seen like deep anger coming out and you didn't like who you are. So the response has been, I got to keep that part hidden. Conceal, don't feel. Wherever you are coming from, and some of you, you're emotional beings. So you're like, yes, this is the sermon I've been waiting for my whole life. <laughs> Made of one person, I don't know. Wherever you're coming from, though, I want you to consider that rather than something to suppress, your emotions are an invitation to God's presence. That your emotions are an invitation to God's presence. It's like those gauges on your car to tell you what's going on. And I continue to hear stories after story how much of a moron. Old car I used to have, I had one of those check warning lights, check engine lights. I don't know why I thought it was there. I totally ignored that thing for like a year. I was like, well, seems to be running fine. And eventually the car just stopped. And I took it to the shop. And they're like, did you see that light that said check your engine? I'm like, oh. And and just didn't say anything. You're hoping the conversation goes away. But realizing oftentimes our emotions are those lights on our car to tell you an indication of what's going on. And as much as we want to get away from our emotions, they may be the most helpful indicator of where you're at in your life. What's going on underneath the surface? How do you really feel, uh, see God? How do you view others? And where you need God's grace and truth in your life? It's an invitation to God's presence. Wisdom is paying attention to emotions because they can be a window into that 90% of that iceberg that's underneath the water that no one else might see. It's why the Psalms, and maybe for some of you, you don't like the Psalms because it's all about feelings and emotions. Maybe God's inviting you into something. But it's why the Psalms are such value because they display to us the emotional outcry of the authors. Psalm 13, for instance, starting verse 1, the psalmist cries out, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. And if, I, if you didn't know this is in the Bible, you might think, yo, that person better calm down. They in church. Don't they know they're not supposed to talk like that? But our emotions, and the emotions of song has no choice but to let those feelings come out as an invitation to God. Because God never tells you to fake it till you make it. He's like, I want to know where you are so that I can meet you there in grace. Because sometimes, and our emotions are all over the place, but sometimes our emotions will reflect our despair. And I, I know from walking with many of you, this, some of you, this has been a season of joy. Some of you, it's a season of deep despair. And if I can give you anything today, it's to say, it's okay to own that. It's okay to say life is really hard and I don't have it within me to know how to handle this. No one taught me how to do this. This is really difficult. I'm being stretched in so many different ways and I look okay on the outside because I can modify some behavior, but inside this is really crippling. It's really hard. And if that's you, to hear things like Psalm 34, because maybe... Maybe you grew up in families where you were never supposed to express your emotions like that. Maybe no one, maybe no one ever, ever said it, but when it was just kind of an underlying, subtle thing, yeah, we just don't, we don't do that. We don't share that. Find a way to cope. Deal with it. 
And maybe you feel like if you do that with God, you'll get the same response. But listen to Psalm 34, 18. For those who come to the Lord with a broken heart, where the emotions are spilling out, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. One of the best things you can do is be honest with what is lying underneath because that will be your invitation to come to the saving hand of God. And the thing is, you know, when we talk about physical health and emotional health, in some sense, physical health, it just seems much more obvious to observe. Like if you see someone, you get to know them enough, you can tell if their physical health is deteriorating, right? But like yeah, you know them. But mental, uh, emotional health, in some ways, it might seem hard, but I would suggest it's just as revealing because it affects others. Because our emotional condition, how we're doing in our soul, it will either help or hurt our ability to do relationship with other people. Like how we are doing emotionally, whether we are conscious of it or not, we all receive the impact of another person's emotional life. Sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's not as helpful. Um, I, I was in a seminar a few years back and uh, talking about inner city children. And it was just so insightful because this, this uh, lecturer said, you know what, people always go to like behavioral issues in children in, in uh, certain demographics, demographics of a city. You know what, a lot of that is undiagnosed PTSD. It's just like deep emotional wounding that's never been addressed. And what people see is the fruit of that in the school or in other places that just looks like certain behavior and say, oh, yeah, it's just a behavior issue. We just need to fix the behavior. Not recognizing some of the emotional trauma that's led to that place. So recognizing deeper emotional issues can help cultivate empathy, but it can also help us to realize we all receive people's stuff. So, no name names right now. That would be very awkward. But have you ever had a conversation or an interaction with someone in this church even? Maybe it's me. If it's me, you can tell me later. And you're like, you're like engaged with them. And after a while, you're like, dude, something's off about this. <laughs> wow, she real snippy. Or man, he, he, he's like real angry. Man, she, she's, her lack of patience is very obvious right now. And you know what often it is? Maybe it's you. <laughs> you know, you need something. Maybe it's you. Maybe you didn't brush your teeth that morning. I don't know. But oftentimes what it is, it's like deep emotional baggage that they're bringing in from other relationships. Oftentimes conflict that we experience with people is not even purely about the person we're in conflict with, but it's bringing up a whole list of maybe trauma or memories from our families of origin, from our developing years that we're all bringing in. And when we're now, when we're interacting, something maybe even gets triggered and it just brings up all of these things from buried deep beneath our soul. And we all sometimes bear the brunt of that with one another. The simple application for our emotional health is do whatever is helpful to dive into some of those places of your emotional health, those hidden spaces of your soul. And, you know, some of those things, they'll be revealed as just normal, um, just parts of the challenge of being in a broken world. Some, you know, as we engage our emotional health, you're going to see some of that is just trying to make it that everyone is struggling through. Um, sometimes things are just hard. 
as we walk with God and we, we seek to bring that to the Lord. And I think that's a normal part of growing in Him. But I also want you to know, and some of you, I really hope this is encouraging for you, there are some aspects of our emotional health that will really benefit from bringing a professional help in to walk with you. Some, I, I'm going to hammer in on this guy. So if you've never heard this before, I'm sorry about it. If you have been part of some uh, places or spaces where in the midst of severe mental trauma, you've been told you just need to pray harder. Have you read your Bible? Have you gone to this or this or this? And again, none of those are bad. They can actually be really helpful. Sometimes we need people who are trained in these matters to walk in, especially if it's attached with trauma. And some of you have gone through traumatic situations in your life. You're not just making things up. You're not just a problem child. You know? You've got like severe stuff that's never really been dealt with and you're still walking around with it and it's, it's, it's spilling everywhere and, and you don't know why. And I just want to highlight the value of professional therapy, counseling. It's not something to be ashamed of. If anything, if your goal is to get closer to God and to be a better brother and sister for another, a better neighbor, one of the best things you can do is encourage, take the step to say, yeah, I, I, I might need some help to walk through this. It's been essential for me. It, it has been so helpful for me. And this was an epiphany for me. So a lot of times when you think about therapy, um, sometimes in churches, it's like, you just need someone to talk to. You need someone to listen to you. And that's true. But when I used to hear that, I'd be like, I got plenty of people to listen to me. And I got a lot of stuff to say. So I would have people in my life that I, would, I could just talk. And I wouldn't hide. I'd be very open. But I also recognized I ran into this frustration. Because people, I was telling everything. I was very, I was very open and very transparent about the deep emotional wounds and stuff. But they weren't trained to be able to help me with that. So they were very empathetic, but in the end, it's like, um, I'm sorry. And I would just get frustrated until I started going to professional therapy. And I was like, yo, you like a Jedi, man. This is unbelievable. You like you like piecing together and you chopping it up and you showing me here's some issues here's some brokenness from your family here's some deep things you've been walking with a lot have you ever considered someone heck no I've never considered that where have you been all my life it's like great and what I realize sometimes we put upon people in our community stuff that they're not just able to do it's like you know I could go on Google and read about like uh, medical issues that's all I can do if you come to come to me ask for help but I'm going to say yo go to a doctor and we got plenty in this church. Find a doctor. <laughs> when it comes to our emotional health, specifically our mental health, yeah, I guess we can kind of be there for one another, and that's necessary. But maybe for some of us, one of the best things we can do is say, there are some people who are professionally trained and do this really well. And maybe the best thing I can do for my relationship with God and my love for my neighbors is to go seek growth in those aspects. I was talking with Pastor Julius after last ser uh, sermon. We were reviewing his sermon, and it's really good because he mentioned this thing that I, I hope has been kind of obvious, that all of these messages about being human for this past month and a half, they've all had kind of a common theme of relationship with other people. 
They've, all of them, as different as they are, they've kind of had this theme of pulling us closer into relationship with others. And our physical and emotional health is so tied to our relation to health. Because as we help one another grow in relation with God, may we commit to also walk with one another in these different aspects of physical and emotional health. So, you know what? And if... If you are wanting to grow in your physical health, you want to get more healthy in your, in your habits, don't be creepy about it. But if you see someone that looks like they got their physical health down, go to them. Hey, you have any tips? Just like you would go to someone who looks like they know how to pray. Say, hey, can you help me to learn how to pray? Go to someone who looks like they're pretty fit and say, hey, what are some things you do? I could really use some coaching, some, some support in this. Find people that you can share your life with emotionally. We're not meant to keep it bottled up. And, and I, you know, as I say that, I think maybe some of us, we have this thinking in our mind saying, I would love if someone did that for me. I would love for someone to care for my needs. I would love for someone to kind of walk with me through these practical things. And we all have that. But what I'll put out for our church is, be for someone else what you desire for yourself. Be else in this community what you would hope to have for yourself. And as a community starts to do that, we help one another. In physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, all these different areas, we just help one another because that's what we were designed to do. And we also point one another to Christ. Because this is not just about improving ourselves, guys. It's about knowing who we were created to be in Christ. Because when we look at Jesus, we looked again at that uh, John chapter 1 verse where he came in the form of a man. He showed us, in a sense, what it means to be fully God and fully man. I, one word theme that's been on my mind a lot lately when it describes Jesus is sorrows. Like we tend to think of Jesus as not quite really a man because he didn't struggle like we did. Actually, the Bible says we did. And he went through turmoil in his body. He groaned. He went to this thing called a cross ultimately. He, he just experienced the ultimate form of physical pain. And we know that he experienced emotional pain as he cried in a garden, asking that his will, which God, the Father's will, could possibly as he considered this thing called a cross and the path that was involved, and ultimately to the point of hanging, having his body brutalized, but also having his soul, his emotions, just put on display for everyone, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? me. He knew what it was to be alone. He knew what he experienced. All the pain in his body, in his soul. And he did it for you. Hear this whole thing because I don't want angry emails. Not just for you to go to heaven. Really critical part of it. He gives you eternal abundant life. Let's not get that twisted. But some of us, we're so spiritual that we're useless on this earth. He also gives you an abundant life right here and now. It's not full because we're still infallible open bodies and minds. But he will allow you steps of wholeness even now. And I want to invite you. Some of you think of you need to come to Jesus because you need to just be a better holy moly type of person. That's cool. But do you need help in your life right now? I would invite you to come to Jesus. So stand with me. I'm going to invite our music team to come up. We're going to sing some songs. And we're going to enter this time of communion. And we're going to remember as we come to this table, and you can come from the middle aisles up, grab an element and take it back with you around the back aisles and go back to your seat. We'll take it all together. But the reason we do this is we remember the physical broken body of Jesus. 
and the shed blood that forgives us of our sins. And we have to remember constantly, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And he lived the life that he invites us to. And he promises you wholeness in what that might look like for you. So if you're a Christian, I would invite you to come. If you're not a Christian and you're not sure what that means, maybe you would refrain from this today, but you would just be asking God, say, God, I want to know you. I want to know you in this way this crazy guy keeps talking about, that you could make my life what it was meant to be and that's found in knowing that you took my place on this cross and you conquered sin, death, and the grave. Lord, help us. We are in desperate need. Lord, I think some of us in this room, maybe many of us, we are unhealthy in different ways and we don't really talk about it because it doesn't feel spiritual. But perhaps you're inviting us into greater transparency to realize it's all spiritual. It all draws us to you and we want to pay all of that attention. And for those of us who are led by guilt, may there be freedom instead to know that there is hope in you, God. And we just take a step today of what we want to see long term and that we would help one another We would be for one another what we would desire for ourselves. But thank you ultimately, Lord. You're the one who gave your life for us. You help us how to be human. You show us a way and made the way. So guide us in this time, Lord, as we come to you. So let's sing, pray, receive, uh, take the elements, and then we'll take it all together once we get back.